out tonight. <clears throat> let's stand all over the building. We'll sing Let's Talk About Jesus One Time Through. Appreciate your faithfulness to the Lord tonight. Let's talk about Jesus one time through. <clears throat> Here we go. Let's talk about Jesus. The King of Kings is He. The Lord of Lords supreme throughout eternity. The great I am the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you, Lord, for this time. We're able to come back out to your house. God, we pray for the water program tonight, Lord, all the teachers as they open up the word. God, help the, the children, Lord, to be attentive, God, and just listen to what these teachers have worked on. And, Father, I pray, Lord, if it be your will tonight, may we see a precious child come to know you as Lord and Savior. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the time these people's invested in these kids. Lord, I pray, God, you just bless it in a mighty way. Be with us all tonight. Be in the services here. Bless our pastor and his wife as they travel, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. All right, I got one volunteer already for the Bible. Got a flag holder here, another flag holder there. Here we go. All right, come on. <clears throat> you sure can. <laughs> All right, Jace, hold that flag up. Here we go, American flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, Olivia, hold your flag up. Christian flag. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. All right, Miranda, your turn. It's pledge to the Bible. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path and hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. All right, thank y'all. All right, Cubbies, y'all go ahead and head out tonight. Whoa, right. Come on, buddy. <laughs> TNTs. Sparks, sorry, got it in the wrong order. Sparks. Now TNT. <laughs> Have a good night. Have fun, man. All right, let's all stand together here in the sanctuary tonight. Let's turn to page number, let me get on the right page, 236. Page 236 in your blue songbook tonight. No, not one. We'll sing the first, second, and last verse, hymn number 236. There's not a friend like the lowly. No, not one, no, not one. None else could heal all our souls' diseases. No, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. Three. There's not an hour that he is not near us. No, not one, no, not one. No night so dark, but his love can cheer us. No, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lonely Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. Was there a gift like the Savior given? No, not one, no, not one. Will he refuse us 
Why don't you open to something prayer tonight, brother? Yes, Lord. God help tonight. Amen. Let's remain standing. Hymn number 147, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. We'll do the first verse and chorus. Have a time of fellowship. Page 147. Amen. If I get some fellows come down, we'll receive this evening's offering.
Well, Gerald, won't you ask the blessing of our offering, brother? Yes, sir. Amen. Appreciate the good playing tonight. Enjoyed that. We'll go ahead and start our prayer time tonight, if you would. And uh, starting off here on my right-hand side, start on the front. We'll move to the back. Go ahead, Miss Irma. Appreciate those requests tonight. Anybody else on the right tonight? Jane? Another hand on the right tonight? All right. How about in the middle? Jennifer? I was going to come down there and ask you how's you doing. Okay. And brother up church. Another hand, Gerald. Okay. Granny. I appreciate that. Thank you. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. <laughs> That's good. Brother Larry? Amen. Do keep these things in prayer for sure. Ms. Helbert?
Praise God. Brother Keith? How is how is he doing now? I'm guarantee it. Right. Doing well over a year now, hasn't it? Remember his uncle Elvis, he's a, he's a neighbor of ours. He's always one of those guys that if you needed some help around the house or something, he'd just mysteriously show up. <laughs> but no, he was just one of those, he'd climb a tree, build a house, tear down your car. He pulled a car from me. Uh, wasn't long, it was just a few months before he uh, had an accident, him and his brother. Johnny it was, he was riding around that old Cherokee. I was like, man, ain't no way that Cherokee pulled that car. That thing was raggedy. <laughs> but... <laughs> It, it about pulled me out the seat. That, that Cherokee was chugging. But uh, it, they was always willing to help. Go ahead, Dr. G. Praise God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> sure. Wow. That is a lot. Appreciate those tonight. That's encouraging. James? Okay. I'll be in prayer for that too. It's that's something very needful. I know the pastor mentioned it on Sunday. But be in prayer for that conference as they're working out the details on that. Go ahead, Pastor. Hmm. All right. Just remember that. Lord Mitchell family. See another hand. Go ahead. Amen. Chester? Praise the Lord. I seen him sitting there, brother. <laughs> that was good. Anybody else in the middle tonight? I do remember uh, John Wasoski. He called me right before I came to church and left a message. And uh, he said his bronchitis is coming back. So pray for him. He's been battling that since about October. It'll leave and come back and leave and come back. He said he's. He's been done with it for about a month, but he said he can feel it coming back on. So just pray, <clears throat> pray for him. 
somebody else in the middle. All right, over here on the left. Oh, yeah. About a second sirenus went by. Don't know where it's headed, but the Lord bless him. Somebody else, Donna. Amen. 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 I appreciate that tonight. Thank you. Another hand tonight. Rufus. Appreciate that. Daryl? All right. Mom? Amen. All right. Appreciate that tonight, Mom. Anybody else tonight? No, sir. Appreciate that. Anybody else tonight? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anybody else miss tonight? Tim? Sir, brother. Amen. Amen, brother Tim. That'll preach right there, brother. Appreciate that report tonight. Anybody else got anything you want to praise God about? Go ahead. Amen. Appreciate that praise tonight. 
Somebody else got something they want to praise God for tonight. It's going to be bashful. Go ahead, David. Appreciate it. Keep the leadership of our church in prayer, if you would, please. You know, it's uh, very important uh, from the pastors down to the deacons to the Sunday school teachers to the choir members. Just uh, keep us all in prayer that uh, God will protect us. You know, it's, uh, it's just very needful. Keep a wall of protection, of prayer protection around this place. And uh, it's often been said, we won't be destroyed from the outside. If we're going to get destroyed, it'll be from the inside. Many of us in here has been through destruction like that, and you know it just as good as I do, that if, if something's going to implode, it's going to implode from the inside. So we need to be vigilant and be, uh, be sober, because we've got an adversary that would love nothing more than to destroy this place, destroy what we've got going on here. And uh, Let's just keep a good, close guard on those things. And uh, always be mindful, keep your ears open, and be, uh, be attentive to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will send out some warning signals sometimes to you. You know, sometimes some of us might be blinded by, but you might catch a, might catch a whiff of old Satan as he walks by with that sulfur smell on him. So uh, just, just keep an eye out on them things, and we could all just, I mean, we're talking to the backbone of the church here tonight, so I know y'all know what I'm talking about. So just, just keep those things in mind and continue to put a hedge of protection around this place, especially in soaking it in prayer. I know that's uh, very needful. Brother Eddie Gunner, why don't you pray for us tonight, brother, over these requests. Yes, sir. Amen. Be turning to James in chapter four tonight. James chapter number four. I was reading over a list of statistics that Miss um, Sister Mary Margaret gave me. Last week after the service was over, I just want to share them with the congregation there. That's uh, kind of make you want to scratch your head a little bit. But This was a uh, <clears throat> survey taken about Christians in the United States. It says 70% of U.S. citizens claim to be Christians. 70%. 50% of uh, Christians are affiliated with a church. 20% of Christians attend church regularly being three times in eight weeks. That's what they consider regular. Three times in eight weeks. 10% of Christians tithe 10%. 20% Christians tithe less than 5%. 2% of Christians say that they pray daily. And 1% Christians believe God was the reason they have what they have. So that's just, uh, I thought it was kind of interesting to, that Mary Margaret shared that with me last week. And I just figured I'd share it with you. I want to share an interesting, uh, interesting message I've got three simple points again for us tonight, and it's funny how the Lord's been dealing with me here in the last few weeks, and you know, oftentimes I've, I've got some other messages prepared, and I'm like, well, Lord, I ain't preached that one in a while. I, I know it very well. I think I'll go and preach it, but he said, no, i got something else for you. The last two days, I've just been kind of waiting, and uh, I had something had something prepared and been kind of waiting, and, and this morning about 4.30, I woke up, woke up with automatic three points on my mind. I said, good night. Are you kidding me? Wednesday morning at 4.30. <laughs> it's like, sure enough. Well, uh, I said, okay. So I've been thinking on those things today. And I don't know if it'll make any sense to us, but I appreciate the, uh, the testimony time that we had tonight and some of the things that were said. I believe we'll line up with exactly what God has for us tonight. My prayer is that this message will touch somebody's heart. If nobody else, and it's going to touch mine. The Lord's been dealing with me on these thoughts. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. 
James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. Go to now, you that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, ye shall live, and do this or that. Lord, bless now as we look into your word. God, just move me out of the way. Make me your mouthpiece. It's in Christ's name I do pray. Amen. When you think about life, that's simply the message tonight's life. When you think about life, life is a gift from God. It was a gift to all of us. We're here for God has placed us here. Uh, you know, people believe that, that God does not exist. He does exist. He, put this, he placed this world exactly where it is. It's sitting on its perfect axis. If it was one, one centimeter too much to the right, it wouldn't be able to do what it's going to be able to do. And if it was one centimeter too much to the left, it wouldn't be able to do what it was going to do. If we was one millisecond closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If we was one millisecond away from the sun, we'd all freeze to death. I mean, God has got it placed exactly where it was supposed to place. When you look at things in space... You know, the studies have been revealed that when you throw something in space, it'll continue to go. It never stops. Well, how come then the Big Bang Theory, when it banged and blew up, who put the brakes on it? Who put the brakes on it? How did the Earth get where it was at, and Mars got where it was at, and Venus got where it was at? Pluto's still out there, by the way. I still believe in Pluto. Anybody else? <laughs> it still exists. Don't be ruining my childhood. <laughs> I studied. I mean, I had to learn about Pluto. Furthest one away. And all that stuff. Then they're going to tell me when I'm 20, 30-some years old that Pluto doesn't exist. That's a lie. Pluto's still out there. Anyway, <clears throat> life is a gift from God. You think about life, it's here today, gone tomorrow. You know, people search hard for the meaning of life. Songs have been written about it. Movies have been made about it. It's a question that continuously rings throughout generation to generation. What is life? What is my meaning in life? Why am I here? Life at times even seems like a giant mystery to most of us, if not all of us. In the Christian life, oftentimes we're, we're continuously searching for that will of God. What's the will of God for my life? Why am I even here? Why did God place me here? What am I doing here? Why does God got me on this earth? Life has a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions out there about life. What's my purpose for being here? Some common answers you were, you were to find if you were to ask regular people. What, what is life? What is the purpose of life? To find happiness may be a, a, an answer somebody would give you. To find fulfillment. To flourish. To earn and get gains. Some say my purpose in life or my main goal in life is to fall in love and, and find that love that will last a lifetime. Some think it's to gain much knowledge as possible and that in itself will, will enhance your life through understanding or wisdom. Then when you go to the religious side of the question, what is life? They feel it is, it is, blessed in, it is to be blessed in some spiritual sense. That's the meaning of life, to achieve union with God. I would agree with that. Some folks like to live life to its fullest. You know, they'll, they'll go out and they'll work a, a hard week and labor and work 50, 40, 50, 60 hours, some of us, some even more than that, never miss a day, always on time, taking care of their body, getting enough sleep at night, going to two or three doctor's appointments a year to get that checkup and eat healthy and prepare to live 100 years and all of a sudden out of the blue, boom, they're having a funeral the next day for that person. So what's, what is life? You know, we'll work hard all week and we'll try to enjoy the weekends the best way that we can and how we know how and spend a little time with our family, do a little side project or something or go out and do one of our favorite activities and all those things and it just seems like it's a repetitive cycle over and over and over again. So what is life? I myself look back over the almost 42 years now that I've been alive and I can, I, you know, I look back over time, I say, man, where has time gone? It just seems like that. It doesn't seem like it should be over 20 years since it's, I've been in high school. It just doesn't seem like that. I can still remember being in the hallways and talking to friends. And a guy, Susan was sharing with me, a guy that was two years older than me, 44 years old, just passed away. Just out of the blue, passed away. Been married for 22 years. Now he's gone. These questions arise in people's minds. And I look back over life and I say, man, time, slow down. Y'all remember most of us do as, as young kids that, that, that time from Thanksgiving to Christmas seemed like an eternity. 
you know, you'd meet everybody up for Christmas, I mean, for Thanksgiving or whatever, grandma's house, and, you know, you'd be having a big old time, and you watched them as they put the names in the cup or the names in the hat, and they drew out the names, and you knew who was going to get you a Christmas present, and it seemed like those next 25, 30 days was just an enormous eternity. Now as grown-ups and we got kids to buy for ourselves, now it goes from Thanksgiving to Christmas in a flash, like it was in a microwave. Now you're sitting there after Thanksgiving older, and I'm looking at the calendar. I got four weeks or I got five weeks. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like it goes by so fast anymore. Time is just dwindling away, and we can't slow it down. Three points about life tonight I want us to look at. When it comes to life, the answer about life, the three little points that came to my mind this morning at 4.30. Number one, we've got to make plans. When it comes to life, make some plans. Make some plans. It's all right to make plans. We need to make plans for our life. Set some goals. Prepare yourself for the future. I was reading a few quotes on this. A goal without a plan is just a wish. A goal without a plan is just a wish. We need to make plans for our future. Make plans for the present. Make plans for the future. That's okay. Plans have a tendency to change a lot. But at least you've got some goals to shoot for. While you're shooting for that goal, all of a sudden you might find a better avenue. All of a sudden you might find a little bit bigger target or a better way or those type of things. I mean, set some plans. I had plans set for my own life, you know, as a young kid growing up, as I'm sure you have or had. You know, some of you might have grew up and wanted to be a fireman. Some of you may have grown up and wanted to work, you know, wherever your parents worked at or whatever the case may have been. We all had goals. We all had plans. We all had things that motivated us. As I was sitting there writing these little thoughts down, I can remember when me and Susan were sitting down and was talking about marriage as, you know, 16, 17-year-old kids, talking about getting married and making plans and when this was going to happen and when that was going to happen. And, and as it took place, you know, as, we got, as I got near uh, 18 years old, we were setting the date for marriage. We had set it for one date, and all of a sudden we moved it back four or five months. It was like, let's speed this thing up a little bit. <laughs> want to get married a little bit quicker. But we had plans set. Sure, we were young. Sure, some of those plans may have sounded silly at the time, but it's just as, you know, almost 42 years old now, and I look back and how God worked plans out. He just worked things out. We may have set some goals, may have set some plans, and God looked at them and said, those are pretty good, but I even got some better. Just follow me. Follow me. It was the great Yogi Berra said, if you don't know where you're going, then you'll end up someplace else. Make plans. How many of you go on vacation and just start off driving? Wherever we end up is wherever we end up. No, most of us got it planned out, jotted down. How many, how many activities we're going to do, where we're going to spend all the time at, and then when you get back from vacation, you need a vacation from vacation. Because now you're more tired than you was when you took off. I've got to go back to work. I'm tired. <clears throat> Warren Buffett said, said someone, sitting in, someone is sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. Someone is sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. Many of you plant plants and things, and you plant that little tree. Oftentimes, we'll work at a house where someone that's been married, you know, 40, 50, 60 years, and they'll we'll say, man, that's a big old tree that's out there in your yard. Say, so, yeah, when we moved here, wasn't nothing in the yard. We planted that first year we moved here. Now we're enjoying the shade out of it. I mean, people make plans. It's okay to make plans. It's necessary, but when making them, Let's not leave God out of the equation or out of the situation. Psalm 37 and verse number 4, David wrote it down. He said, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of thine heart. When we make plans and God knows our desires of our heart, like I said, we may make some plans, and God may take those plans and make them even better. Send you in different directions. Say, hey, you thought this was great? Look what I got for you. Now, as we plan for our lives, we shouldn't get so caught up in what we want to do that we miss what we were meant to do. Think about that. When making plans for our lives, we shouldn't get so caught up in what we want to do that we miss out on what we were meant to do. I've shared my testimony a few times in here tonight, but most of you know I love fishing. I love sports. I'm a big sports nut, very competitive person. I try to shy away from it as much as possible. I mean, even playing cornhole, and that competitive nature, just, it just burns up in me. It just does. I want to win. That's how I was trained. I have a, I'm not going to get on that side track. But I, I don't know why you'd play a sport if you didn't want to win. We're training our kids now that everybody's a winner. It don't work like that in life, does it? 
Everybody's not a winner. Everybody's not going to be the CEO. Everybody's not going to be the VP. Everybody's not going to own their own business. Everybody's not going to be the best at the plant. How are they going to handle those things when those situations come? Hey, I, I played baseball for the Bassett Bengals. We didn't have the best baseball teams when I was playing. We did a lot of losing. I didn't like it. But I learned to deal with it. I learned to deal with it. How these kids that we're constantly training, hey, you get a trophy for everything. These are the ones that are sitting down crying when the president don't get, doesn't get elected. Crying and screaming up to the air like, got to go to their safe place so they can holler and scream and throw a fit. My mama wore my tail out if I threw a fit. Y'all know what I'm saying? Many of you have been there. I mean, many... <laughs> Some of us, you'd be getting a whipping and start crying. Why are you crying? Stop crying. They'd be whipping you to stop crying. As Kenny Baldwin said, he tried that one time. He, he tried to stop crying. Stop crying. His mama beat him hard and said, why ain't you crying? It doesn't hurt when I whip you. He said she started beating him some more. But I desired, my, one of my biggest desires is 18, 19, 20 years old, I wanted to be a professional fisherman. Honestly, I did. I was investing most of my time into studying that stuff and, and, and reading books and fishing all I could. And you can ask my wife. She'll tell you. I mean, it was just fishing this and fishing that and fishing everything and fishing here and fishing there. And I, Friday, Friday evening, if I could, I'd go practice. If I couldn't, you know, I would, I would sit up and I'd read books and I'd study and get all my tackle prepared and try to read up on a lake I was going, call some buddies who would never tell you exactly what to use. But, you know, buddies won't help you out when it comes to fishing. Even the guy on the front of the boat won't help you out. Say, man, we're on a team. He's up here catching and reeling them in. What are you using? I ain't telling you. <laughs> All right, then, we're going to lose. Whatever. So, you know, that was one of my desires. I, wanted, I used to sit and just dream and drool over, you know, winning a Bassmaster tournament. I know it's a few fishermen in here, and you probably had dreams like that yourself. But, I mean, just, you know, riding around the stadium, even the Bassmaster Classic, I mean, it's, you know, riding around the stadium, they're escorting you on the brand new boats you, you just won, and, you know, you know, the confetti is raining down from the top, you're holding a big trophy, the wife's over hugging on the husband, and the kids is crawling around the boat and all this stuff. I mean, everybody dreams of things. I had that dream. That was one of my desires, one of my big desires. A lot of folks that I, a lot of guy, coaches told me I should have went on with the baseball, and I didn't want to play baseball. I loved baseball. A lot of them told me I should have went and, you know, tried out for this team or went and tried out for, uh, you know, single A or something like that or tried to get somewhere, go play for somebody. They said I was fundamentally sound. Understand all that. That wasn't a desire of my heart. I wanted to fish and I wanted to get married. That's what I wanted to do. So we get married and, you know, I'm just, everything's just fishing. I'd be standing out there. <laughs> I know my father-in-law thought I was crazy sometimes. He'd come in from work and there I'd be standing out there in a, in a chair up on some some high, tall bucket or something, I was out there flipping and, and pitching and trying to hit targets and making sure I, every cast I made was perfection. And, you know, I just, I didn't never want to waste nothing. I was out there working and working and, and studying and studying. And, and it just never panned out. God never allowed me to buy a boat. And it was all to his glory. If he had a, ain't no time where I'd be tonight. I remember, uh, remember fishing with a guy. His name was Bernie Lowry, a good friend of mine. He goes to Northside Baptist Church. He got saved a few years back, and I praise the Lord for that. But he kind of taught me some things about fishing. And one year we decided to sign up for the American Bass Association, which was a, which was a smaller type of federation type of tournament. They fished five or six tournaments out of the year, and, and uh, most of their tournaments would be on the weekend. A lot of times it would be on Sunday. At this time, things was progressing in my life. God was working a little bit in my life, and showed me some interest in singing. I joined the choir. Uh, the choir director asked me, said, hey, why don't you start singing some special music? I said, sure, go ahead and sign me up. Me and a couple other fellows started a little trio there at the church. And lo and behold, don't you know every time he signed me up to sing, in the, sing special music, it was always on that one Sunday that I was supposed to be fishing a tournament somewhere. Every single, he didn't know my schedule. He didn't know where I was supposed to be. Every single time I was going to be out fishing on a Sunday, I was scheduled to sing special music. You say, well, that's just coincidence. No, I think it was the providence of God. 
But can I tell you a secret? Every time I was out there on a Sunday, I wasn't enjoying it. I didn't want to hurt Bernie's feelings because we done signed up and paid the money in. I was wanting to fish with him. I enjoyed it a little bit, but I'd still, right there in the back of my mind, I was like, Lord, please let me get home. Don't kill me out here. I knew he was working on me, and I was running from him, and I was wanting to fish, and it was one of my lifelong dreams, and that's just kind of how life works out. And, and <clears throat> so we was having a big tournament, one of the biggest ones at Smith Mountain Lake, 120-some boats was there. And the ABA paid out 12 places. <clears throat> you know where we finished at? 13th. Was that close? That close. I even had the fish on that could possibly send us over to the, to the money side of it and, and actually win something for once. And it broke off. <laughs> this is how the providence of God works out. So I got these desires. I want to be a fisherman. And, and after that, Pastor Shelley, he was a preacher who loved me. And he came. He sent word. He said, you're going to have to make a choice in your life. Either you're going to fish or you're going to serve God. He said, it ain't going to be both. He said, if you don't, he said, if you're going to keep fishing, you got to quit singing. So I swallowed that, and I said, okay, Lord. I knew the right answer. So I had to go and tell my buddy, Bernie. I said, Bernie, can't fish with you anymore. I'm going to start going to church more faithfully. He said, I understand. And he was fine with it. And that was pretty easy. And so, you know, I get involved and, you know, kind of land fishing aside. Still fishing little club tournaments here and there, you know, it wasn't one of those things where God just said, done with it. I was still allowed to, you know, I still fished a little bit here and there and once, once or twice a month and all those things, always on a Saturday or maybe a Friday night tournament or something like that. And, you know, just eventually and gradually God was moving that desire out. He was putting more of a desire to want to serve him in. You know, it didn't just pull it out from under me. It was just a gradual procession. Uh, it's, it's amazing how when I look back at times how God worked in my life and and I'm thankful for that. But what is life? What's the point of life? To make plans. I had plans. I had desires. I had things I wanted to be. But God had a better plan. I could have been hard-headed and stubborn and said, No, God, I'm going to fish and do what I want to do. I could have done that. But I think back to all the lives I would have never had an opportunity to make an impression on if I'd have stuck it out there. I wouldn't be here tonight. I wouldn't be standing in front of you. No telling where I'd be. No telling what I'd be doing. Don't even know if we'd still be married. Don't even know if we'd have children. I mean, just sit there and think about things and how fast time goes. And I'm just thankful that I wasn't stubborn and hard-headed enough to tell God no, that I was tender and smart enough and had enough discernment in me to say, I'm going to surrender to you, Lord. And in doing that, get, get involved in singing special music and singing in the choir and being more faithful than the, Sundays, than the choir director he decides he's going to go off to Bible college. Well, guess who's the first guy that Pastor Shelley asked? Hey, why don't you start leading the singing here at our church? Who's this guy? Scared to death to stand up in front of people. God's working, working on me and continuously working. We sign up and work in junior church. And then, then the teen leader steps aside and I tell Pastor Shelley he's trying to do it all on himself. And I said, why don't you help, let me take some of that load off him and let me and Susan start with the teens. This was years ago. He said, okay. And then that goes on and it begins to work in on me and, and you know, giving me more and more of desire to want to do things for God. Making plans, have desires. God said, those are pretty good plans, but i got better plans for you. Better plans for you. So number one, we need to make plans. Make plans. God has a better plan. So we make plans. Number two, plans give us, a not a desire, but plans give us a purpose. you got plans in life, that gives you a purpose to go out and do what you want to do, to go out and, and, and earn some money, to go out and do this, or go out and, and set goals. We've got to have a purpose. Live life with purpose. Make a difference. Live in such a way that when you're gone, you'll be missed. Amen? Everybody agree with that? Live your life in such a way that when God does call you home, say, man, it's going to be a hard spot to fill person's going to be missed. Let your life have an impact on others, a positive impact. Jude chapter 22 tells us enough. some having compassion, making a difference. Be a life changer. Change, be a life changer to somebody. Go where you're supposed to go and do what you're supposed to do. Don't just live life existing. We're, we were not saved from hell just to exist. 
God has a specific plan and purpose for every single one of us. If, if your one purpose is to see one person saved, then that's good enough. Don't just live life existing. Turn to Ecclesiastes in chapter number 9. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, beginning in verse number 9. Now don't throw no tomatoes at me. This is the Bible reading right here. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life of thy vanity. Y'all okay? That was the Bible, not me. All right? It said, Live life joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity, for that is thy portion in this life and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work nor device nor knowledge nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Can you believe that the Bible told us to live joyfully? I mean, to some folks, that is pure blasphemy. I mean, you can't live joyfully in this life. All of us have ran into that one character or something just seems like there's never been a good day. Everything's bad. Everything's sad. Mad about everything. Never happy. That gets on my nerves. We ought to be thankful for every day that we get. They never have a happy day in their lives. I, I try to avoid people like that. I'm sorry, but I do. God wants us to have joy and live in that abundant life Sure, there's going to be trials. Sure, there's going to be hardships. Sure, there's going to be, we're going to make mistakes. Sure, there's going to be good days and bad days. I mean, good night in the morning, even some of the best men and women in the Bible had their time. Think about Job, David, Noah, Moses, Peter, Paul, James, John, Mark, Matthew. All these people had hardships and trials and difficulties in life. Job said it this way, Job 23 and verse number 10, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God knows every single step that we will make in our life, and when he has tried us, we will come forth as gold. Every situation, every circumstance that God sends us through, every path that we have been down, every trail we've ever been on, God's been there before us. He's been kicking out a way. He's been making a way for us. And we wonder sometimes, God, why did you send me through this? Because I'm trying to make you as gold. Job 14, 1 says, Man that is born a woman is a few days and full of trouble. We need, to, we need to make plans and have a purpose-filled life. Jesus came to this world with a purpose. Luke 19 and verse number 10 said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to serve others and not to be served. He was a life changer. He was a life impactor. Jesus came down from heaven just to seek and to save that which was lost. He was our redeemer. He came with a purpose. He changed the lives of all those whom he ever came in contact with. Talk about living with a purpose. Think about Matthew and Mark, Luke, John. Think about the maniac of Gadara, the woman at the well, the blind man, the lame man, the sick of the palsy, Mary Magdalene. I mean, good night in the morning. Everybody he came in contact with, he changed their life completely. That's living with a purpose. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to be a helper. I ran across this. It said, be a lamp, a lifeboat, or a ladder. Help heal someone's soul. When you walk out of the house, walk out as a shepherd. You may be the one that's going to heal that person's soul that you work next to or that you come in contact with regularly. The one who's hurting and having a hard time, having some difficulty. You may be the person that's going to be the ladder for them to get on out of that mess. To live life with purpose means to live a life that matters, to be productive, to be useful, to, to have it, to make some difference. To even make a difference that you lived it all. God's given us this life. Live your life in such a way that when you come in contact with someone, they leave better than when you met them. Make plans, have purpose. Number three tonight, live with passion. 
Live life with passion. We read it one time before, but Jude 22 says, and of some having compassion, making a difference. Many times within God's word, Jesus looked across and over the multitudes that were following him, and he had compassion on them. Jesus was passionate about helping other people. Kind of give us all a suggestion tonight. Be passionate about what you do. We all come from different lines of work. Be passionate about what you do. Do it to the best of your ability. Do it to the best of, as a, do it to the best just because you're a child of God. Don't be a loafer. Be a motivator, man. Just go in there and work hard. Earn you an honest day's work, honest day's pay. You tell the boss you're going to work eight hours, work eight. Try to do that. Be, be the best that you can be. Be passionate about what you do. Wherever it may be, if you're a school teacher, be passionate about that even though those kids don't even act like they care. Even though the parents don't act like they care. Make those kids better than what they were when they got there. Show them some love. Show them some care. Show them some passion. Make a difference in that child's life. I can remember some teachers that used to get on my nerves so bad in the first semester whatever, I couldn't stand them because they were so hard and so mean. And by the end of the year, they were my favorites. Because they pushed me harder and they tried, me to get, tried to get me to do better. Them coaches out there used to push me so hard and make me want to do more and do more and you can go the extra mile, take another step, run, and run down the first baseline one more time, hit it one more time, catch it one more time. Sometimes I want to say, just quit already. But they pushed me to be better and better and better and persevere. And I thank God for every one of them. Because they taught me how to do some things. Taught me not to quit when the going got tough. Thought sports was tough. Man, you get in the ministry. That's a whole nother level. It's a whole nother level. It's attacks from all kinds of places. Sometimes you just want to throw in the white flag and wave at things and say, I want to quit. Then you wake up and say, I can't quit. Can't quit. Too many people depending upon me. Too many kids looking up to me. Too many people at the church thinking, man, he's always there, willing to stand in place when the pastor's not there. I mean, when, tonight, if I'd have said, man, you know what? I'm just done with this thing. Look at all the lives that have been impacted. Everybody's saying, where's, where's Ken and Susan at? Where's Brother Ken at? Is he sick? Is he dead? Did they have an accident? Is he going missing? No, I just quit. Say, what? Some of y'all might have had, been brave enough to come up and knock on my door and say, man, what's wrong with you? Get up here. I don't want to. <laughs> Be passionate about what we do. Be passionate about God. Be passionate about your Savior. He sure was passionate about you. He was passionate enough to go to Calvary's cross and, and shed his blood there for your soul. That's passion. Poured it all out up there on Calvary. He didn't leave a drop. It was all shed. For the remission of our sins. Be passionate about your Savior. Don't y'all get mad at me. Be passionate about your spouse. Be passionate about your spouse. We take for granted what we have so many times. Be passionate about your spouse. Oh, they get on my nerves. Love them anyway. So he's just, he's just mean or she's just an old bitty. Once you start treating them like a king or a queen, they might change a little bit. <laughs> Read a story one time. This guy decided he, he wanted to get a divorce. So he goes to his lawyer friend, walks in and says, his buddy tells him, what can I help you with? He said, I want to get a divorce. He's like, you sure about this? He said, yeah, he said, I've had it. Can't get along with her no more. She's getting on my nerves, always nagging me. I can't, I just, I, we can't get along anymore. I want to separate. He said, what can I do? He said, I'm going to give you a plan. He said, you got to follow this plan. And he said, after the plan's over, come back and tell me if you still want to be divorced. And I'll give you the paperwork. He said, okay. He said, for the next month, he said, I want you to treat her like a queen. He said, do what? So I want you to treat her like a queen. Go buy her flowers, take her out to dinner, send her to get her hair done. 
go get her nails done, buy her some new outfit, treat her like she is the best thing in the world. He said, and then on that last day, he said, tell her you're leaving. He said, that's mean. He said, do it. He said, you want a divorce? Yeah, I want a divorce. He said, follow my plan. He said, okay. So he goes home. Day one comes along, and he starts buying her flowers. She don't know what to think. Treating her like a queen, doing all these nice things for her. They're going out on dinner dates, spending weekends away together. About the end of the month comes. He walks back into the lawyer's office. He said, did it work? He said, you still want to get a divorce? He said, divorce what? He said, I don't want to divorce nobody. He said, man, I'm married to a queen. He lost that desire. Why? Because he started treating her right. Started treating her like, like he did when they first met. Fellas, ladies, I mean, think about when y'all first started meeting each other. The passion you had for one another. The time you would spend. And all these things. Money you would spend. And dates you would go on. and Treat them right. Then we get married. We're going to throw all that out the window. You got me now. Here I am. What happened? We lost that passion. Be passionate about your spouse. Be passionate about your family. Love and support them. Be there for your kids. Can I give you a piece of advice? Be there in the stands when your kids play a game. That will mean the world to them. Don't matter if they strike out 100 times. They can turn around, see you in the stands. That's good to them. I know what I'm talking about. I've even asked some of our kids to play sports. I even asked them this question a few weeks ago. I said, it means a lot when you turn around and you see family in the stands watching your game on it. It sure does. I said, even when you're losing, just another they're there supporting you. But it sure does help a whole lot. Be passionate about your family, your kids. Be passionate about your church. Be passionate about this place we meet at. Be passionate about your ministry, whether you're in the choir. I mean, get up here and have passion about what we're doing. You realize, you realize, I didn't even think I was going to go this long. You realize that singing prepares the heart for the preaching of the word. Be passionate about ushering. You're some, the ushers will be some of the first people the new visitors will meet when they come in the back doors. Be passionate about that. Be passionate about teaching Sunday school. Sunday school teachers, have passion about what you're teaching. Leadership deacons, be, be passionate about deaconing. If that's a proper term. Pastors and preachers, be, pas be passionate about preaching. Wherever God has placed you, make it better than what you found. We can get passionate about a lot of things. But I think tonight, God should be number one. We should be passionate about God. You get the order right. God, if you're married... Husband, wife, family. God needs to be number one. Keep God number one. You keep that relationship right, all these other relationships is going to work out right. I promise you. God's never let us down. We follow his orders. We follow his commandments. God has never let us down. Let's all stand together tonight. Let's make plans. Let's have a purpose. Let's live with passion. What is life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little, little time, then soon vanisheth away. Don't know how God has dealt with you tonight. This is something He laid on my heart early this morning. Let's make best of what we got. Whatever we have to do, let's do it with our whole heart. You got a job? Be thankful for that. You got a good family? Be thankful for that. Get more passionate about them. Had a good church home, let's be passionate about it. Be passionate about God and our Savior. Heavenly Father, God, we bow before you tonight. Lord, time sure does fly by fast. God, I thank you, Lord, for the calling you put upon my life. And God, for the desire to just want to serve you. Make a difference in someone's life. God, you tell us in your word that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Father, help me never take for granted, Lord, the calling you put upon me. 
God, what an opportunity it is. What a privilege it is to be able to stand up and proclaim your word. God, help us to be people who make a difference in our community, in our workplaces, in our families. God, let us, let us to live life by making plans and having a purpose, Lord, and then living it with passion. God, we thank you, Lord, for the passion your son showed us all on Calvary's cross. God, he went all the way. He left nothing behind. He gave it all. God, you traded your best for our worst. God, I praise you for it. God, we thank you tonight for your son's precious blood. God, I thank you, Lord, as a 13-year-old boy, I received Christ as my Savior. God, I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in my life. God, for bringing me here. And Lord, I know without a doubt in my heart, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. God, I love the calling you've given me. Lord, help me to cherish it and, and do it with my whole heart. God, we love our pastor tonight, Lord. I pray, God, that you would be with them, Father, as they travel home tonight. God, just watch over them. Keep angels around the vehicle, Lord, and bring them home safely. God, I pray, Lord, you prepare his heart right now for what you have him preach on Sunday. God, preach him, Lord, like you've never preached him before. God, speak to our hearts, God. We sure are going to need you. Well, we love you tonight because Jesus loved us first. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.